Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you, and as always, it's good to be here together and to have this time of, of worship together. As I said last Sunday, there are believers and followers of Jesus all over the world who are gathering in this same way that we are here this morning uh, to worship the same Jesus that we are here to worship this morning as his followers. And so what does that mean? That's what we're looking at today and, and in these weeks uh, that are ahead of us. Um, so let's begin by turning our Bibles to Matthew, the fifth chapter. If you uh, want to take those out. While you're turning there, um, I uh, ran across something funny this week. And uh, some of you are probably hoping that I forgot about the funny stories while I was on sabbatical. <laughs> Maybe I should have. But, uh, but here it goes. Um, so this pastor in a small town like Arthur was pulled over one time for speeding. And uh, as the officer was writing out the ticket, the pastor was quoting scripture. And he happened to quote one of the verses from Matthew 5 here. Matthew 5, 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. He was hoping that the officer would let him off, you know, with a warning or something. Well, the officer was really quick on his feet, and uh, he, as he handed the ticket to him, he quoted a verse back to him, and he said, go now and sin no more. <laughs> uh, I hope you had a chance uh, this week to read uh, this whole chapter of Matthew 5. I encourage that in the, the Wednesday post on Facebook. And uh, in the Friday Connect email, because there is a lot, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and there is a lot here from Jesus that we are to learn from and to follow as his followers. And, uh, you know, before we even get to the verses that we're going to look at today, he talks about anger, he talks about lust, he talks about divorce and vows. And about all those things, Jesus has something to say. And... Uh, I think some of them, as we read them, might leave us with a response like you see on the front of your bulletin today. He said what? <laughs> Verses 38 through 48 that we're going to look at might get a similar response from us as well. So let's read those verses, beginning with verse 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and, and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father 
is perfect. This Sermon on the Mount that Jesus delivers in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 give us some of the, the most direct and meaningful teachings that we have from the voice of Jesus. The four Gospels and the rest of the New Testament, of course, provide us with many more examples for us to live by. But these verses in Matthew 5 through 7, or most of them, are in red in my Bible, which means that Jesus himself said them. In chapter 5, he uses a statement several times. It's actually used six times. He uses it six times, in which he says, You've heard that it was said, but I tell you. And in saying that, Jesus was not dismissing the Old Testament teaching as much as he was trying to um, show them or show us a correct interpretation of those teachings. So, you know, in the verses we're looking at specifically this morning, he says, you've heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, don't even resist an evil person. And then he goes on to talk about uh, turning the other cheek and handing things over to, looks like we have an issue with the PowerPoint. Is Erica around? <laughs> okay. Um, so Jesus wasn't dismissing those Old Testament teachings. He was trying to give them a correct interpretation of, of how to live those out. And so he said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth. But he said, I tell you this, don't even resist that evil person. And as he talks about turning the other cheek and uh, handing things over to someone who sues you, going the extra mile when people ask you for something. And so you read some of that and you're like, does, does he really mean that? <laughs> does Jesus really mean that that's what we're supposed to do? Did he really say that? Well, he did. And so it is up to us as his followers to figure out what that means as we live it out in our daily lives. So in, the, in these first five verses, uh, verses 38 to 42, Jesus is really addressing the, the fleshly tendency that most humans have to retaliate when a wrong has been done against them. You know, back in the day, um, the law tried to um, equalize justice, you might say. They tried to equalize justice by saying that, you know, if someone did something to someone, then equal punishment should be applied to them as well. It was kind of used back in that day as a way for the courts to, to kind of keep punishments, you know, within the crime that was, was committed. Well, the problem was... The people would use this eye for an eye law and they would take justice into their own hands and they would take it out on each other. And uh, I mean, that doesn't happen very uh, literally today. You know, somebody taking somebody's eye for an eye. But it does happen figuratively. I mean, today you might hear someone say, well, they did it to me. And so I'm going to give it right back to him. 
Anyone ever been guilty of saying that or thinking that? I'm going to raise my hand because I think we've all at least been there thinking that. <laughs> um, but, but Jesus, in a shocking and attention-getting way, shows us a different way to approach those confrontations. Instead of retaliation, Jesus is encouraging grace. You might, be, you might be thinking, you know, okay, I'm okay with that grace part. I mean, I knew, we all know that that really is a part of being a follower of Jesus. But do I really have to turn the other cheek when someone hits me? Or do I really have to just give them all they want if they sue me for something? Do I really have to go the extra mile to help someone who might have wronged me? I think, you know, maybe it's hard for us to, to kind of set the context here because I think each situation that comes up in life is, is a bit different. And yet the context of what Jesus is saying here is very clear. When the world chooses retaliation and revenge, we as his followers are to look for opportunities of grace and mercy. I know that's not how the world works, but that's how Jesus works. And that is what he would like to see in us as well. Yes, he said it. And so therefore, we are supposed to live by it. It's not easy, of course. It's most likely not the default setting within most of us and our personalities, you know. But we can live this out with the help of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. We know, too, also that Jesus didn't just say these things. I mean, he lived them out. And uh, he didn't only teach about this concept of grace and, and tell parables about how to live it out. He gave up his life. For us is the ultimate sacrifice of what that grace truly looks like. He died on the cross for the sins of the world. He died on the cross for our sins. So that we could be saved. No eye for eye. Or tooth for tooth. Which is really what we deserve. It was his grace that was freely given. To us. In Colossians 3 that was read earlier, we heard Paul say, as God's chosen people, clothe yourselves with compassion. We're going to talk more about compassion next Sunday. Um, but he went on to say, bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Does anyone know what he said right after that? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I'm not sure how the Lord is speaking to each of us here this morning about these verses. But I would 
believe that there are likely some situations and some circumstances in some of our lives right now in which Jesus is saying, you know, the world would say to get revenge or to get even, but I'm telling you to choose mercy and to choose grace. If there's not a situation like that right now, I think we always need to be ready for that because there will be opportunities in the future. We can be sure and guaranteed of that. And some might be even coming this, new, this next week when we might be called to, to live this out. Pastor and author Leonard Sweet tells a story from a, a trip he took to Phoenix one time. This older uh, man picked him up in a pickup truck, a brand new, nice pickup truck. He picked him up in the, at the airport. And as he got in the pickup, he noticed these two huge scrapes and dents and stuff down the side of this truck. And it was a brand new, shiny truck otherwise. And so as he gets in the truck and they start to converse, he asks him what happened. And, and the man says, oh, my neighbor's basketball golf uh, blew over and uh, fell into my new truck and made all of those scrapes and, and dents and, and so on. And so uh, Leonard Sweet asked him about it a little bit further, and he said that his neighbor uh, didn't want to take any responsibility for it. And, uh, of course, the man checked into his insurance and stuff like that. He tried to get his neighbor to maybe pay for it. But uh, this man then told Leonard Sweet, he said, you know, last night my wife and I had a discussion and we were talking about that. And he, and he said, I decided I can either be right about that situation and what should happen, or I could still be in a relationship with my neighbor. And since my neighbor's probably going to be there a lot longer than I may have this truck, he said, I'm going to choose to extend grace and be in a relationship with him rather than be right about the whole thing. And, you know, as I was thinking about that story, I was thinking, you know, that could also be a situation like that could also be an opportunity for him to show his neighbor what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. But isn't that often the obstacle for us when it comes to grace? If we, are, if we know that we are right, we don't want to give in because, well, we shouldn't have to give in. And many times the, the offense or the hurt that we experience is bigger than a banged up truck. Sometimes it's very personal. Sometimes it's very hurtful. Sometimes it's not a neighbor. Sometimes it's someone maybe in our own home or in our extended family. It could be something that with a, co with a friend or, or a coworker or someone at your school. Life is too short and relationships are too important to let those things fester and cause broken relationships. As Jesus shows us grace, 
we see that it is the key to healing and restoration and a new day. Sometimes we want the other person, you know, to be the first one to, to make that move, to come to us and say that they were sorry or uh, come to us to start that conversation. But oftentimes the Holy Spirit will move in our heart and encourage us to do something about it. Encourage us to be the one that, that takes uh, this first step forward. I don't know, maybe that's happening today as we look at these verses together and these words of Jesus. That's why really that Jesus is talking about going the extra mile. You know, don't just wait for someone else to come and do this. Don't just give in and, and move on and leave things broken. Go the extra mile, give them grace, and make things right with them. As followers of Jesus, that's what we are called to. And you're going to feel much better if you go there instead of continuing to stew in anger, plotting revenge, and going through, uh, some, going through with some kind of retaliation because of it. As I said, you know, this is not easy stuff. And I do believe that we need to call on Jesus to help us with this and to be able to do it, but it's so very important. And if, you know, if that isn't hard enough with friends and with our family and with maybe some coworkers, Jesus takes this and he raises it to even another level here. Let's talk about verses 43 to 47. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. Did Jesus really say that? Again, it's read in my Bible, so <laughs> yes, he said it. And yet, I think if there was ever a statement or a command of Jesus that is countercultural or upside down from the ways of the world, it's this one. Love your enemies. I had to stop and just think about that this week and, and you know, kind of think about who my enemies would be. I mean, I, you know, I couldn't, really, I couldn't really think of any person or family that would even come close to, to being an enemy. I know maybe that's true for you, or, or maybe you can immediately name names uh, of who that would be. And you know who your enemy is. Perhaps it's something that just happened recently, or maybe it's an ongoing conflict or, or something that, you know, has escalated that situation to where it is uh, enemy status. I think, I think these, uh, sometimes these days we need to think more broadly about who our enemies are if they aren't someone that's right across the street or somebody just across town. What I mean by that is that we often consider those with different political views as enemies. Enemies. 
We often consider those with different theological views as enemies. Some people are offended easily and, and, you know, the person that offends them immediately becomes their enemy. Sometimes, as we all know, it can be even petty disagreements that end up getting blown way out of proportion and people become enemies because of it. Going back to politics and different views and different morals, things like that. You know, our social media platforms these days, they've definitely raised the level when it comes to many of those disagreements. I mean, many people make enemies with other people, even though they're never going to meet them or know them. And it's just because they disagree so greatly and they take it out on each other. And, you know, as followers of Jesus, we need to remember what Jesus calls us to when we find ourselves in those situations. We must remember that we are, uh, as Christians, are perhaps the only witness of Jesus and his ways that some might see or read or hear. And yet, so many Christians destroy their witness by arguing and criticizing others. So we, we need to think about how we handle situations where we disagree with someone, whether that's in person or online. Now, of course, to love our enemies doesn't mean that we have to condone others' behavior or accept their views. But it does mean that we are called to speak truth in love and always try to work towards some kind of reconciliation, even if, that is, uh, even if we don't think that's going to be possible. We should at least be trying to work uh, towards that. And that's really what Jesus is teaching here. Reconciliation instead of retaliation. We are to love as God loves. We are to extend grace to others in the way that Jesus extends grace to us. C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Stories told uh, about a former Major League Baseball player. And when his team would go to visit Yankee Stadium, there was always one fan who would sit close to the field. And on, on this, one player would just spew out all kinds of hatred and obscenities and other things at him during the whole game. Well, one day this player he decided he was going to go over to this guy. He was going to sign a baseball and he was going to just toss it to him and see what would happen. In fact, he, uh, and so he did that and it actually worked. That fan actually became uh, a fan of this player. And uh, even though he was still a Yankees fan, he, he became uh, a fan of that player and didn't heckle him anymore. You know, instead of exchanging those harsh words, 
this player chose grace, chose reconciliation. And, you know, it changed things for that fan as well as for him every time they went and visited Yankee Stadium. In fact, uh, that player, interesting enough, would later be traded to the Yankees <laughs> and would become a Yankee player. And so I guess, you know, that relationship with the fan became, it came around full circle. And, and that's another reason, really, that we need to live in grace because sometimes or someday the tables may be turned. As followers of Jesus, we need to live in the grace of Jesus in all of our relationships and in all of our interactions with others, even our enemies. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit, of course, in, these, in those situations to give us self-control and patience and love and, and the ability to see others in the way that, that God sees them which is as someone that is created in God's image. Finally, verse 48. It's one that we can't ignore here. Jesus says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Does Jesus really expect that of us? Does he expect us to be perfect? I mean, really what Jesus is presenting to us <clears throat> here is what our ultimate goal should be as a Christian and as a follower of his. We, want, we should want to be perfect as he is, even if that is humanly unattainable in our flesh. But you see, we can be made perfect through the grace of Jesus. And so can our relationships through the grace of Jesus. But as we're talking about, uh, as we're talking about in these messages today and in the weeks ahead, as followers of Jesus, our goal is to be like him. Which means that our goal is to live as God would desire for us to live. I had to think about that as we... We're singing that hymn earlier that says, Lord, plant our feet on higher ground. Not the low ground, but the higher ground. And of course, the Bible shows us that way and gives us the blueprint. So it's important for us to make God's word a daily source of guidance in our lives. It's kind of like a, a constructing a house. You know, the contractor must follow the, the architect's blueprints if they want to end up with a house that resembles what they have drawn up. And so today in these particular verses, we've heard Jesus call for grace, mercy, reconciliation, and love. Even in the most difficult situations, even in the most difficult relationships that we might have. And so as followers of Jesus, that, that is what we are called to. That is what it should look like. And this is the goal that we should be striving for. We, can't, uh, we can only do it with God's help, of course, as I said. And with the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit actively 
a part of our lives. We can't do it on our own strength. At the same time, we say we can't do it on our own strength, but we can do it. And when it comes to extending grace, we are called to do it by the one in Jesus that we follow. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together and let's ask the Lord to to help us in this as his followers. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning and um, we realize that some of the things you have taught us and told us are very hard to live out. They are very difficult for us in our flesh to, to try to live out. But Lord, we know that you, you want to help us to attain the higher ground and to, to be able to live as you have told us to live and, and treat our uh, fellow people the way that they should be treated. Even our enemies, Lord, you have told us to extend grace to them and to love them. Lord, as hard as these things are and uh, as difficult as they are to live out sometimes, we know that as followers of you, we, are, we go out into the world and we want to be seen as Christians and followers of Jesus. So help us, Lord, to live that out. Give us the strength we need. Help us to look into your word each and every day and week to know, okay, what are you calling me to? When we have a difficult decision in life or a difficult relationship, Help us to turn to you and your word and, and to prayer to, to be able to discern what you are telling us and how your Holy Spirit wants to work through us. Lord, we give you praise for the exciting news of somebody receiving you into their life today and, and wanting to become a, a Jesus follower. Praise the Lord for that and for Denton and and Lord, I, I just pray that if there's anybody else here today that um, has been thinking about the things that Jesus could do in their life, the change that Jesus could bring, if anyone here today needs the grace and forgiveness of Jesus for their sins, I pray that your spirit would just work through their heart and help, help each one to know that um, there is forgiveness of sins. There is grace for us. And it is found in Jesus. And he promises us that he will be with us. And he promises eternal life in heaven as a believer and follower of his. So Lord, I pray your blessing on each one here today. Go with us throughout this week. Help us to extend grace and mercy instead of uh, thinking about retaliation and other things. Help us to live in your grace. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a great week, everyone.